When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Athena Home Loans. Athena will give you a great home loan, then help you get rid of it. Want access to the best in construction industry training? Call Master Builders Victoria today. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Hello and welcome to Dwayne's World. Great to have your company wherever you might be listening. It's Midday Madness time. Midday Madness with a difference. You can still jump on the line and we'll get you caught aware. Anything in the world of sport you'd like to discuss. Jump on the line now, one 736 the open line, which is brought to us by Werribee Kia, awarded the prestigious National Kia Car Dealer of the Year Award. Werribee Kia, where else? Midday Madness for rjsanderson.com.au, personal and business tax experts. So jump on the line for Midday Madness, one 736 Keep your text coming through as well, 0433981116 on the 40 Winks temper text. But it is Captain's Day, and as we've... Mentioned a couple of times, Sammy Edmund is at Captain's Day for Coolabar Turf, Victoria's premier supplier of instant lawn. And we'll be checking in with Sammy Edmund for the next couple of hours and the cricket's on after two as well. So the fourth test coming your way. So jump on the line now. We'll get you to where now. It's not as long a program as normal. So uh, we need you to get on the line now if you want to discuss something. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. It also is Melbourne Membership Day today on SEN. Show your demon spirit. Join today and get six games for the price of a three-game membership. Visit membership.melbournefc.com.au. And Charlie Spargo is going to also be on the program a little bit later on from the Melbourne Footy Club. He's been, it's been a regular star for Melbourne. He's played every game the past two seasons in a row, Charlie Spargo. So he's not the most heralded demon, but he's a gun that is reliable and Sometimes we undersell that reliability. Sammy Edmonds at Captain's Day. We might even drop in and have a chat to him for a little sneak preview to find out what it's like there, given his discussion with Jared Whateley earlier today and the discussion that I just had with Jared Whateley as well. Bob Murphy once once talked at an AFL Grand Final Week function and he had the room in raptures. The room was just eating out of the palm of his hand with his story about the bull elephants walking to the waterhole and... It was aligning that analogy with all the big guns of the AFL competition that he's come across over time. So when the bull elephants all walk to the water hole, they all kind of move aside, even though they're all big, when the king of the bull elephants wants to drink. Everyone moves aside, and the king of the bull elephants walks up to the water hole and has priority for first drink. He actually said in that speech that Jonathan Brown was the bull elephant of the AFL competition at that time. Three-time premiership star Jonathan Brown as the bull elephant. It is an interesting one. Who is the bull elephant of the competition right now? Because it is Captain's Day, and all the captains are down at Captain's Day, but the top dog of the AFL competition might not actually be at Captain's Day. Once upon a time, you had state games where you would walk into the change room, and the pecking order was there at the change room. There was a few guys who were bigger than your regulation star at state training, some guys had a bigger aura. Some guys like Tony Lockett, etc., Jason Dunstall, were just bigger than the rest. Who is the big bull elephant of the competition right now? Is it Dustin Martin? He's not at Captain's Day today, but if he walked in today to Captain's Day, would 
they all kind of walk aside from the trough and allow Dustin Martin to walk to the bar first. Is it Lance Franklin? There's a nomination on the text here for Nat Fife. So keep your text coming through. 0433 98 11 16 on the 40 Winks Temper Text. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Winks, serious about sleep. And uh, we'll take a couple of your calls on it if you want to join me on it. one 736 736 The other thing, if you'd like to discuss it, there's been a lot of talk about the pre-season comp uh, and what's happened in the pre-season. Looking forward to next week's round starting. We're only a little way away from next week's round. The thing to look for from 2023 to try and boil it down and make it reasonably simple, if because game trends are interesting to me and they get analysed to the within an inch of their life by analysts and it's great to have those analysts looking at game trends. But it is interesting to see which teams are on the cutting edge of football and where football is going into this season to give yourself, if you're going to the footy with your family, something to identify to find out if your team is at the cutting edge. And there have been a few data analysts that had a meeting with Champion Data yesterday about the pre-season comp and how that aligns with what last year's best teams were doing. If you're wondering what the, why the Bulldogs are looking to play three to four gun key forwards this year, Norton, Darcy, Eugle Hagen, etc. in their forward line, there's a reason for that. It's not simply because they've got tall guys. There's a reason. There's a plan for it. And I'll talk more about that shortly. Carlton, there's a reason why they'd rather ruck Pinnanet and use Kerno, Mackay and De Koning as three key forwards. There's a reason why the Giants are playing their very best player, Toby Green, as a permanent forward this year, and why they're moving Himmelberg forward this year. He played in defence a lot in the last two years. There's a reason they're doing that, and that is inside 50 numbers are high from the pre-season comp. So more teams have decided not to mess around with kicking the ball backwards and sideways in the midfield, and they're trying to, instead of just possessing the ball and trying to work it forward for the perfect inside 50 pass, that's dead. If you can get an inside 50 pass that's perfect, great. But teams are just banging it in there this year. It's old school. We saw it last year with Geelong. So they had inside 50 superstars. They had Cameron, they had Hawkins. So you get it in there, you're going to kind of get a goal from it. Geelong, for the record, last week against Brisbane, had 53 inside 50s. Brisbane had 55. But Geelong only got six goals from their 53 inside 50s against Brisbane last week. The reason why, they didn't have the quality that they normally have ahead of the ball. Hawkins wasn't there and Cameron wasn't playing. So that's the reason why you don't get value for your inside 50s. So what teams are doing now, they just want to bang it long, get it inside 50, and if you've got your guns in there, you'll make that into some gold. You'll get your goal. So watch your inside 50 numbers and watch how much your team fiddles around with the ball in the midfield and chip kicks around because if they're chip kicking around this year, scream over the fence. And if your team's not stacking the forward line, because Richmond are stacking their forward line, they're getting Dustin Martin forward more than ever. Toby Green's going to be forward more than ever. Cozzy Pickett's going to be forward for Melbourne to add to their potency forward. Uh, Geelong's trying to add Ollie Henry and Jack Henry to their forward line. So keep an eye on it. Inside 50 numbers are up. And one of the reasons is because teams in the preseason comp have just been banging in there and saying, we're going to get it in there and stack our forward line with quality players and back our guys to be able to kick goals with it. We're not fiddling around with the ball anymore in the midfield. Freddie and Elwood, as we go to your calls, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Welcome to you, Freddie. Are you there, Freddie? Yep. 
Yeah, You're on the air, one. Freddie. Welcome um, to you. Thank you. Got two for you today, actually. I love love the bull uh, elephant analogy, um, and yeah, agree with Jonathan Brown. I think he certainly took that reins in the uh, the state game versus the All Stars a few years back. But I think um, Paddy Cripps probably fills it at the moment, being the rounding Brownlow medalist. But he fits it physically as well as the uh, the metaphoric star power, and certainly puts Carlton on his shoulders as well. He does, but he doesn't have the premiership weight around him, does he? That's the, the those that have that are the big bull elephants like Jonathan Brown in the past. You kind of have to have the premierships to go with it, don't you? Which is why, at least, a, I suppose the. The guys that we talked about, like Dustin Martin, I mean, he's been able to do it on grand final day, not just win premierships, but Norm Smith's. So does Patrick Cripps have that kind of premiership aura around him? No, you're definitely right there, um, Dwayne. I think um, certainly doesn't even have the finals aura yet, so they've got a fair bit to prove there. I don't even think he's played in one, but um, yeah, yeah. in terms of Dusty and the and the, uh, the Norm Smith's, his best finals record ever. So, And I'm a, I'm a dog fan, so yeah. But the, the other one is... Um, Actually, on the sub yesterday that you're talking about, the different take more for the fan experience. I've noticed with the medical sub on the bench, when it's listed with the numbers above the bench, they um, used to list the red number um, where the play that went off and even the green number for the old green vest, but they stopped doing that. So hopefully they bring that back this year just so at the game you can have an understanding without the need to jump on the phone and know who's in the green vest and also who's been subbed off. Yeah, let's hope they do do that. Put it up on the scoreboard. Give everyone an indicator that this player has been subbed out for the game. And that's the reason. Because sometimes you'll get a double change on the bench. So your sub will come on. Someone else will come on. Two guys will come off. And you won't know which of the two guys that come off at that double change is actually the guy that's been subbed off for the game. It's obvious in previous years because it's been the injured guy. So you've known who's been subbed out because he's either had concussion protocol or he's been injured. But this year, you can just sub a guy out just because he's out of form or you want to bring a fresh guy on. So you're right. Let's hope there's a mechanism that the AFL has to alert everyone as to what the reason is you brought someone off. Hey, hold the line, Freddie. Got something for you for kicking us off today. You've got a bottle of Starwood, two-fold double-grain Australian whiskey, thanks to Hairy Dogs, summer of Aussie spirits. That's coming your way. You can check it all out at hairydog.com.au. Uh, Sammy Evans ready to go as well. We'll check in with Sammy shortly, but Tim in Brighton wants to talk a little bit of cricket. Tim, I'll come to you very shortly. I just want to get to Sammy just to set the scene down there at Captain's Day. Welcome to you, Sammy. G'day, Dwayne, and greetings from Marvel Stadium. I tell you what, been a lot of talk around the turf at the MCG off the back of that Ed Sheeran concert. There's a fair old sandpit, in fact, two sandpits down here at Marvel at the moment off the back of uh, Harry Styles' uh, concert. I know he's one of yours, Harry Styles. So a uh, yeah. bit of work to be done with the turf down here, but in all seriousness, a cast of thousands down here awaiting the captains that are just stepping onto Marvel Stadium as we speak, Dwayne. So uh, almost, I would have thought, unprecedented off-season for captaincy change. We had nine clubs change leaders. So look forward to potentially snaring a few for you uh, in a few short moments. I look forward to seeing uh, from you as well who's got the biggest swagger up when they wander out on the field. Well, Who, who's got the aura? There's been a lot of debate around who the captain of the captains is going to be in the wake of Joel Selwood moving on, of course, as well. Now, I can tell you, as far as leading them up the race goes, right. Paddy Dangerfield alongside right. Lockie Neal, but just hot on their heels if we're judging body language here and strolling form and strut Paddy Cripps in third position there. So, and Alex Pierce right up the front as well for a new oh, time captain. Nice, nice. He's edging his way in. Come on, Bont. Get amongst them at the top. <laughs> uh, look forward to crossing to you a few times 
during the course of uh, Midday Madness. We'll have a few of the captains on. Sammy have been down there at Captain's Day for Coolabar Turf. Speaking of turf management, Victoria's premier supplier of instant lawn. Um, Tim in Brighton, thanks for holding. Tim, welcome to you. Hello, Dwayne. Welcome to you, Hello, Tim. Dwayne. Great to have you on. Thank you, Dwayne. I, look, I want to talk about the, the fourth test today. I'm super excited about this about this uh, test because uh, not only could they get possibly the um, biggest crowd there, of, you know, uh, upwards of 120, 130 maybe, but, but I'm... And, and, and the whole test series has been fascinating, but to see what the surface is going to turn out like. But my, my biggest thing is, if, if Australia wins this, that's two tests that Steve Smith has won under, you know, of recent times. Will there be growing momentum for him to come back as a test captain, do you think? Well, there was a lot of talk that he captained the team last week uh, better than um, Pat Cummins has captained it. There was that talk. I, I, and I think he's been speaking really well in the media of late. Uh, look, at, I guess it remains to be seen, but I, I'm just super excited about the possibility of us, you know, winning the test, which, which is, you know, can, can be and, and would make it two all for the series. Yeah, and we might end up facing India in the World Test Championship for almost a decider if it was two all. And when we face them in the World Test Championship, we could actually win the series plus the Test Championship 3-2, if you like, Tim. Yeah, I, I, I just think that, um, you know, it's I know it's coming to an end and it may not drag out for any longer than three days, but, gee, it's been it's been really enthralling to, to watch this, this, this series in India. And as you say, if we come up against them and, um, you know, in the championships, it, it'll be even more interesting. Yeah, Tim, I'm agreeing with you 100%. I think... There has been talk that Steve Smith's captaincy last week was better than Pat Cummins. His bowling changes, etc. His his gut feel read of the play was better, um, and maybe he's going to be better as a captain second time around. So, and I'm pretty excited about if we can get away with this series as a two-all series draw, even though we lose the Border Gavaskar Trophy or we don't win it back, it's still a two-all result after India, and then go into the Test Championship maybe against India. And kind of call that out of cider. Great to have your call. Grab out your calls and your texts for Midday Madness, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Bull Elephant, it's Buddy. No discussion. That's from Glenn. Uh, Bull Elephant, massive Sam Draper. Scares anyone. Uh, I'd say Max Gorn. think everyone respects Big Maxie and his aura. Quite a few coming through for Max Gorn, Bull Elephant. He's been uh, the bull the past couple of years. Phil in Abbotsford. Patrick Cripps has a presence and an aura. The Bull Elephant, Travis Boak. Go Tigers. That's from Hayden as well. Uh, Petrarca is now the biggest bull in the competition. But Buddy by a mile. And another one here, surely Max Gorn is the number one. Mick in Northcote, who's the bull elephant of the competition right now? Uh, welcome to you, Mick. G'day, Dwayne. Um, firstly, I'm a Carlton member, but I think <clears throat> Dusty would probably have to be the number one. And then uh, Charlie Dixon would probably be second because he is just a huge man that looks scary as hell and just pushes people out of the way. And then probably Creeper, I would say. Charlie doesn't have the premierships behind him to have that aura, though. He, he wouldn't... I can't see uh, some of the other guys. I can't see Max Gorn um, walking aside or even 
Um, even Dylan Grimes walking aside or the big Nank walking aside for Charlie Dixon given that they've had a bit more premiership success. So in terms of pecking order, I know size and uh, how scary Charlie Dixon looks, but to me he's not scary at the waterhole until he's got a couple of premierships alongside his name. But I appreciate your call. Great to have you on the line. And we've got something for you, a Brick Lane Brewing Voucher, Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale, perfect for all occasions. And the ultimate crowd, please uh, drink responsibly. Keep your calls coming. Midday Madness for rjsanderson.com.au. RJ Sanderson and Associates are accountants and taxation specialists. Take the stress out of tax. That open line number, anything in the water sport you'd like to discuss, get on the line now. Shortened program given we're heading to the cricket after two. That number, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. The open line brought to us by Werribee Kia, awarded the prestigious National Kia Car Dealer of the Year Award. Werribee Kia, where else? A couple of others here. Um, did the Tigers start this trend of quick movement forward? I think the Tigers were a little reluctant to take advantage of the stand rule early on. They poo-pooed the stand rule. I think they almost had a feeling like the stand rule wasn't going to be around for long. So they weren't aggressive forward movers under the stand rule, but I think they were more aggressive forward movers of the ball when they got Tom Lynch. So when you've got a, a forward line that doesn't have the potency, you're probably less likely to bang it forward and just get it inside 50 like those teams have done this preseason. Just get it in there, get your inside 50 numbers way high and back your quality of player ahead of the ball to be able to kick you a score. One here on the text, if that's true, wouldn't it be better to have more intercepting defenders? Question mark. Yes and no. So Melbourne are in a really good position right now because they've got Lever, May... And they've got Petty, who was a pretty good intercept defender as well. He's evolved into one. So they've got a great defence. And they've got Max Gorn pushing back one kick behind the ball when Grundy does the ruck work on the wing, for example. So they're extremely well set up behind the ball, Melbourne. But there's nothing Melbourne would dislike more than an opposition team stacking their forward line with guys that may have to, has to watch. He's going to have to man up on someone. Lever suddenly has to man up on someone. So if they've got that situation, if they're playing against the Dogs and the Dogs have Norton and Darcy Ford, or they're playing against um, Carlton and they've got Kerno, Mackay and De Koning or Ford, they're actually going to have to maybe man up. So that's why I think it's a great idea. Get it forward, get it forward quickly, get it forward long and back your quality of tools inside 50 to force May and Lever to suddenly have to play on someone. So yeah, stacking your defence is a good idea. But I think getting it forward and getting your inside 50 numbers up, which has been the trend all pre-season, is a damn good idea to go with it. A couple other texts that have come through. It's Buddy, no discussion who the bull elephant of the competition is. Yeah, it'd be nice to see Buddy sort of a bit more prominent, I think, in, in some respects. We don't really see... He's arguably the greatest player in the comp outside of Dustin Martin. In terms of his resume, he's right up there. But we don't necessarily see him in these kind of environments where... You know, we get to have a chat to him on a captain's day or get to see him in an environment with a number of other players from other clubs. Um, a two-all overseas result is by far a win for Australia. That's Louis from Grovedale. And Louis, I agree with you. If we can get away with this series with two-all and head to that World Test Championship and try and make it three-all, then we can actually make this a win for us. I'm, I'm big on that as well. PJ and Kangaroo Ground, welcome to you. PJ, great to have you on the line. Thanks, mate. How are you going? All right? Good. Mate, I'd like to send out some love today. <clears throat> it's, uh, it's, it's long coming. I want to send out firstly to the Essendon coach, Scotty. He's got the Aboriginal boys organised down there. It's a bloody beautiful thing, mate. Really, it is. 
it's a proper setup, proper setup for them. Um, I'd also like to send out some love to the curator from uh, Queensland on that beautiful fast wicket he gave us in uh, summertime there, the Australians and against the South Africans. And my, the Western Australian wicket was a dud. The Western Australian wicket was like a Queensland wicket. The Queensland wicket was like West Australian wicket. And yet they cowed this poor bugger. Like Everyone gave it to him. It only lasted two and a bit days. When you get 11 fast bowlers out of the 15 fastest in the world and you put them on a decent wicket, that's what you're going to see. And it was beautiful. It was action every single ball. You could see the batsmen were nervous. The fielders were nervous. It was a beautiful thing, and, and he got really canned for that. So I just want to send some love. Do you know his name, Dwayne? No, I don't, actually, but it's an interesting discussion, PJ, because uh, the curator does get smashed a bit, but it depends on a lot on those bowling on it and how bad the batters are batting on it. I mean, how much patience they've got sometimes, how crazy a shot they play sometimes. I, I still wonder about the pitch that we were sweep crazy on as to how bad that was. And if we weren't sweep crazy, whether or not that wouldn't have been an issue for us, PJ. So, no, I don't know his name, but I appreciate your call. And we've got something for you, PJ. Hold the line. We've got a Brick Lane Brewing voucher coming your way as well. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale, perfect for all occasions. And the ultimate crowd pleaser, but drink responsibly. Thanks for jumping on the line. Reg in Melton, I know you're on the line. We're coming to you as well. But Jack Steele has been good enough to join Sammy Edmund down at Captain's Day. Over to you, Sammy. Hello, Dwayne. Yes, we're here with the two-time All-Australian, the dual best and fairest, and, of course, Jack Steele, the skipper of the Saints, as they enter this new era under Ross Lyon. Welcome, Jack. Welcome to SEN. Yeah, thanks for having me. How's the day been with uh, with the 18, 17 other captains? It's been fun. It's It's been the first time that I've done this with uh, yeah all the other 17 captains, but um, yeah, it's always a good day to get together and talk, so it's it's fun. Unique few days at your club's probably the only way we can put it, with the revelation, obviously, that the coach's box audio was accidentally widely disseminated. How did you see that as a, as a player and, indeed, a captain of the club? Yeah, it was, it was quite disappointing really um, that, that it's happened but it was a mistake it was an honest mistake from, from our club and some of the people involved but um, yeah you can't really do much about it now um, Ross addressed it to the playing group yesterday afternoon before it all came out which um, which we which we you know liked um, from from Ross to get on the front foot and just accept and um, you know what's happened and, and tell us exactly what's happened was um, was pretty important uh, for me as a player so. yeah I was just going to ask you why did he choose to do that do you think the coach oh I think it's um it's never great to hear things come out that isn't, you know, from your club and, and your coach. So, um, you know, in, in the past, things like things like this might have happened where we found about, you know, a certain situation on social media and it's not great to hear as a player or a captain of the club, um, you know, that your, your mum or your, your best mate's hearing stuff before you do. So, um, yeah, I, th- I thought um, from our coach to come out and do that as a player was, was awesome. Dwayne, you got the captain of the Saints. Yeah, Jack, I might just take you down that track one last question because there is a lot of trust now at clubs. There's, there's media, IT people who are filming just about everything that happens inside the change room these days. So there's a, a huge amount of trust you place in those guys to keep that footage and not have the wrong footage get out, etc. There's a huge amount of trust these days. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, there's um, heaps of people that have a lot of responsibility in getting this stuff right and, and clearly... Um, like I said before, it was a, it was a fair mistake, um, but yeah, it was never this person's intention to, to, to leak this sort of information. But there is a lot of people that you do need to trust and um, you know be on board with um, you know what we're trying to achieve as a club. Yeah, I'm just curious to see whether you'd be more guarded these days. Whether there will be more um, closed doors these days, given how many data breaches there have been across the world, not just in footy clubs. 
yeah, I think as time goes on, we'll probably probably learn and there'll be a little bit higher security in terms of this sort of stuff um, and maybe different ways to um, upload and different databases where you can, you know, access and not access certain information with security. But, um, yeah, it is something probably needs to get better going forward, I suppose. Max King, how far away is he? There's been talk round six, round seven. He's going to be a key for you to get back as soon as possible. You don't want to rush him. Yeah, you don't want to rush someone like Max to get back too early. Um, yeah, I think at this point he's looking like roughly around round six, uh, but he hasn't missed a beat in his rehab, which is awesome. Great to see as a, as a captain. Um, we've obviously had to deal in the preseason with, without kicking to someone like Max, so we've had some people step up which is great to see, and it's probably going to be great for us just to learn how to play without someone like Max in our forward line because we can't just rely on him all the time um, to, be our, to, to be our main target. So, um, yeah, I think we've definitely learnt around that already, which is good, and um, it'll definitely be a challenge for the first five or six rounds of the year. And players are always optimistic you can make the finals and do some damage and win flags. I get all that, even though you probably don't want to put it on the record. But why are you optimistic about St Kilda's possibilities this year? I think just, just with the changes we've had, um, Ross has had such a positive impact already as well as all the assistant coaches that we've brought in, um, in Lenny, um, Lenny Hayes and, and Robert Harvey. Um, but the system that, that Ross has brought in and how the players are buying into it has been phenomenal. So I think, um, I think anything's really possible for us this year. And um, you know, we're going to have our challenges, we're going to have our, our losses, but um, yeah, really excited about what the group can bring. And who's got the biggest swagger down there of all the captains, uh, Jack? Is there one that's uh, got a bigger swagger that's uh, sort of deferred to more than others? Um, no, I wouldn't say there is, but, um, yeah, Cripper's Kripp got the brown around his neck, so he's, he's pretty happy with that. I think he's strutting around. But, um, no, nah, they're, all, they're all great people. And like I said before, it's great to get here and, and just meet, connect, and, um, yeah, just get talking about footy and, and the season ahead. Great stuff, Jack. Good to have you on. I really appreciate you giving Sam and I a couple of minutes of your time. Uh, we'll let you get back to the captain's afternoon. Remember your calls and your texts. One text here, Dwayne. Port has been bombing the ball into their forward line for years. It's not a good game plan. All you're doing is playing into the defender's hands. Reese from Clarendon in SA. Reese, if you've got quality ahead of the ball, then you'll get goals from your entries. That's the bottom line. That's why a lot of teams are pushing their best players forward, having quality ahead of the ball. Port hasn't had quality ahead of the ball. So, I mean, Mitch Georgiades kicks at 43%. He's one of the worst kicks in the competition at goal, Mitch Georgiades. So, you know, the best kicks in the competition, you know, Tom Lynch kicked at 60, 64% last year. Peter Wright at 63%. Bailey Fritch at 63%. So if you've got quality ahead of the ball, it works. If you haven't got quality ahead of the ball, it doesn't work. Connor Rosie's great, but he kicks at 46%. At goal as well. So you need the finishing ability as well. So if you're missing goals and, you know, sorts of kicks. I mean, Ollie Wines, he's one, of, he's one of the worst midfield kicks that we've had in two decades, the stats say. So, you know, it's, a, it's about your kicking to the advantage side of forwards. It's not about pinpointing passes, but it is also about kicking to the advantage side. Uh, as opposed to, you know, kicking it straight up in the air and bringing rain. Mayor Reg in Melton, you there, Reg? Yes, mate, I am, no problem. Great to have you on the uh, program. Yeah, mate, just during the week, uh, they had uh, Bottom Pally on, uh, and he, they were talking about how him and four or five of his teammates went over to San Diego for a uh, oh, no, 
inspirational meeting, talk, or whatever you want to call it. But my, my biggest problem is that it was in America, they weren't talking about, they were solely talking about Aussie rules football. There were no American gridiron, baseball, hockey players in the meeting. There were just the five or so from Footscray. Why would you travel to America to hear someone talk about Aussie rules football? That's just crazy. Reg, sometimes you've just got to get out of your normal environment maybe to give you a more worldly view of the same stuff you're going to talk about if you're at the Witten Oval. How's that sound? Yeah, it'd be different if they were talking about, you know, what you can use, pull out of ARL, rugby and yeah. baseball to use in AFL, but that wasn't even brought up. There was nothing, that's put in the bottom belly, nothing at all. It was all solely about AFL. Well, surely there are more qualified people in Australia to talk about that than in America. Yeah, I'm not sure what they specifically did on a broad scale, Reg. Maybe we've just got a little snapshot from Marcus Bond and Pelly and we haven't got a broader understanding of what was discussed on a larger scale. So I wouldn't mind hunting that down a little more. Uh, thanks for your call, though, Reg. Always great to have your call. Uh, it is Melbourne Membership Day today, by the way, on SEN. Show your demon spirit. Join today and get six games for the price of a three-game membership. Visit membership.melbournefc.com.au. And Sammy Edmonds down at Captain's Day, and he's got another of the superstars of the competition. If not, the man that a lot of people have nominated on the text as being the big bull elephant of the Captain's Day. Uh, welcome back to you, Sammy. Well, Patrick Cripps is smiling in front of me, Dwayne. Uh, the Brownlow medalist is here, four-time best and fairest winner, of course. And uh, Dwayne, he recently returned from a little jaunt to Port Lincoln where he went diving with the Sharks. Cripper, you've lived to tell the tale, mate. Yeah, no, it was, um, it was an unreal experience. Um, obviously, diving the Sharks sounds a bit more extravagant than what it was, but you've got a cage around you, so you're pretty safe. But, um, no, it was a good trip down there. Um, oh, the, the experience was unreal, mate. It's, um, yeah, it's something I always wanted to do. So, uh, got down there, had a swim, and, um, yeah, mate, there's. Yeah, they're, they're bloody big, I tell you that much. And happy to see all limbs still attached. Now, the ankle was the one part of the body that was a little bit of a concern. Um, you missed the, the last pre-season hit out. How's that tracking? No, I'm all good, mate. It was, um, oh, it probably came at a good time if you're ever going to tweak something. So if it was in season, I would have played, but they just wanted to make sure I get it right. And um, got training tonight, which I do full, full training. So... Good, good week leading into the into the game next week, so everyone's excited for that. Before I hand you over to Dwayne, how's your midfield running, mate? You've got a few of them now, but Sam Walsh tracking. A lot of Carlton supporters want to know how he's coming along. No, he's going well, mate. I've been asked that question a lot already today, <laughs> but uh, no, he's going really well. Like I've said to everyone, he's a great bloke, works really hard, but um, he's tracking really well. He's done some big sessions, but um, he'll come back when he, he feels like he's ready to perform at the highest level. And um, Yeah, he's progressing well, so um, when he's ready... Um, I'm sure we'll have him back on the side pretty quick. Dwayne, you got the Brownlow medalist. Patrick, is there a chance that you will ruck Pitonet and play De Koning, Mackay and Kerno all inside your forward line? It's probably a question for Vossi, mate. But, um, <laughs> no, there's definitely a chance. We we, uh, we did it at the start of last year, um, if, if people can remember back that far. So I think the best thing about uh, what we've got up there is we've got a lot of tools that um, provides us with a lot of flexibility and what look we want to go with. So it's definitely that option. Um, they can all mark it, which is... Um, a luxury to have, so um, yeah, it's it's definitely something we could throw to. I, I'm not sure what they're thinking around one, but um, yeah, they've showed in the past they can play together and we can win at the same time, which is what you want to do. And was there any reason why, I don't want to mention the war, but you lost your last four last year. Was 
Was staying up for 30 weeks or 25 weeks hard? Is, was there any reason, do you think, that it did drop away late or was it just a couple of bits of bad luck? Um, oh, I think um, I think the toughest thing was probably the last couple of games. We, we played some really, really good footy. We just couldn't quite get over the line. So um, for me, it's just um, we sort of went away, sort of absorbed it and then, um, you know, Got, got to work and, and learnt from it. So um, we sort of try to do a lot of the work in the pre-season, um, sort of um, adapting to different scenarios and, and putting ourselves in that high-pressure situation and um, leading under that sort of stress. So, um, oh, look, I'm always one from adversity and sort of failure, sort of try and um, look at ways to, to improve and grow and, and face it head-on. And um, we've got to work over the summer and now it's just about executing in those moments. And um, I've always been one that, as a group, as a player, you want to play play well in, in front of big crowds, in, in front of big games. So um, that all starts uh, next Thursday. And has Harry Mackay given away the around-the-corner kick a bit more this pre-season? Mm. I saw him. He looks like he's sort of not doing it as much. He's gone with the drop punt more often. No, nah, he'll still kick around the corner. Um, he, it works for him. Um, he's got one of the highest percentages conversion rates from the snap. So there's always going to be talk around it. But, um, you know, as long as it goes through the middle, mate, I don't care how he kicks it. So... Um, no, nah, he's been, uh, he, he's probably the most um, hard worker in terms of his goal kicking that we got at the club. So he's done a lot of work and, um, yeah, it's just about picking his spots, when to snap and when to kick a drop pump. But he's been kicking both really well at training. So he's set for a big year. Great to have you, Patrick. We'll let you get back to it. I really appreciate your time, though, for jumping on for a couple of minutes. And good luck round one against the Tiger. What did you make of the Tigers last week? Uh, that, that, mate, they'll be good. They'll come out ready, ready to go. So um, round one's always a different base. So um, we love playing them. We've got a high level of respect for them. So it's always going to be a good battle. It will be. Great to have you, Patrick. Patrick Cripps, nice. uh, the bull elephant of the captains get-together. Cabal Cato's superstars down at the AFL Captain's Day. Sammy Evans down there, and he's got another one from the crowd. Welcome back to you, Sammy. G'day, Dwayne. We certainly do. I mean, some might say there's a Toby Green rule, others a Toby Green tax. Now there's a Toby Green captain. We've got the standalone skipper of the GWS Giants here. Toby, your first look behind the curtain that is Captain's Day. She's a big day. What have you made of it? Yeah, no, it's, um, I guess it's all part of it. Yeah, it's been a bit of a big week this week. But, um, no, it's great to be here. Good, good. Uh, obviously, good exposure for the AFL and, um, yeah, launching the season. You've been proactive about seeking help, I suppose, from outside the club as much as inside. And I know you're a James Heard fan and you're able to touch base with him, I guess, his thoughts on leadership. But also the former captain of the Richmond Football Club in, in Trent Cochin. How did that come about? Was that something the coach might have organised? And, and why Trent? Um, no, it was probably more... Oh, I was... A bit of both. Um, he's someone I've admired for for a long time. You know um, um, the way he goes about it, and you know obviously you know, I've heard good things from you know some mates that have been at Richmond, and um, I love the way he sort of changed the remodeled his game as well. So uh, I, I just ran into him quickly grand final day, and mm. I sort of mentioned it. And then when Kingers came um, came to the club and said you know how how impressed he was throughout his time at Richmond, I thought. Yeah, great opportunity, and he was he was more than accommodating. So many different types of people, even among the 18 captains. Now, you, you've got guys who come in, they're almost natural-born captains straight away. You've got a couple at your club, you know, Tom Green, Finn Callahan might be another one. You've been quite open and honest about that wasn't necessarily your path, but being captain of so many different men and so many different backgrounds, do you think that gives you an advantage when it comes to leading so many different people? Oh, it certainly helps, I reckon, yeah. I was... Um uh, yeah, as I said, like I was, uh, I was probably the opposite to those boys, and you know the way I went about it, you know, on and off field, and um, learned some hard lessons as well along the way. But um, yeah, it certainly helps me. It probably helps me connect with some guys that maybe need a bit more, a um, bit more guidance throughout the younger years. And uh, I was certainly like that, and guys helped me through that. But um, yeah, it does help, I reckon. 
Dwayne, you've got the GWS superstar Toby Green here. Yeah, I'm excited about you playing forward more than ever this year, Toby. You've got a stacked midfield anyway, Kelly, Ash, Whitfield, Tom Green. I'm interested in the, the dynamic of more teams playing their guns forward than ever before. Yeah, I'm, well, the last couple of years, my midfield time slowly dwindled, and I think it's it's finally extinct now. So, um, <laughs> no, I'll be um, pure forward. And as I said, yeah, as you said, we, you've got... Um, you got some seriously good midfielders running around already, so um, now I'm, all, I'm all, all, all on board in the forward line. And Harry Helmerberg forward as well, which is something that we've talked about a bit. Is he better forward, better back? But another one that you've decided, well, he's just such an accurate kick too when he gets it. Yeah, that's that's right. I mean, you get so much bang for your buck with with Himmel, and I, I love playing with him and love having him in the forward line. And um, I guess you want your most skillful players around the goals, and he's certainly one of them. And um, it can only help. And optimism, we've talked about it a bit with some of the guys that we've had on the program over the course of the last couple of weeks, but everyone believes that they can go the whole way, and I'm pretty sure that you guys are of the belief that you can be the big climber this year too. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what we've been training for. Um, it's all new, though. Like, it's um, new game plan, new, you know, some new faces as well. So um, you, our final product won't be round one. It'll be, you know, closer towards round 12 and after that. But... Um, we are, yeah. I mean, I want to play finals, and that's that. We you know that's what we want to do every year. So that's that's our expectation. What footy's all about, Toby? Great to have you on. I hope you feel the love. Uh, most, I think, just about everybody in the footy world wants you to have a great season. So, on behalf of everybody, have a great 2023. Appreciate it, Dwayne. Thank you. Toby Green joining Sammy Edwards. Raph and Meta Heights. You got a minute, Raph. Uh, sorry for holding you up. Welcome to you. Hey, Dwayne. How you going, buddy? Good. Just quickly, quickly, Dwayne, the sellout game between Carlton and Richmond, last year it was sold out. Yeah, 76,000 people rocked up. I can't get a ticket this year, and I'm wondering what sellout mean these days. So let's hope they have a resell system at some stage, the AFL, where if people don't turn up that they get sold, or if you know you're not coming, that your ticket can get resold. Because we don't want to have a situation, Raf, this year again, and I'm agreeing with you 100%, where we have these sellout games and we find out that we're 10,000 less than capacity. So let's hope the AFL, it's a, it's a repeated problem. The AFL has repeatedly said they'll look into it. Let's hope we finally get a solution in 2023. I love it, Raph. I'm glad you put that back on the agenda. Always great to have you company for Dwayne's World. Your calls and your texts. Your calls on the open line, one 300 open line number, midday madness, one three hundred seven three six seven three sixty calls. Keep them coming through. Anything in the world of sport that moves you enough to pick up your phone and dial the number or chat about what you'd like to talk about. Keep your text coming through as well on the forty winks temper text oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. Forty winks serious about sleep and that's temper t e m p u r. If you want to Google more about the temper range of products, keep your text coming through. 0433981116. Sammy Edmund is down at the captain's day, so we'll check in with Sammy and have a chat to another captain or two. And after 2 o'clock, the cricket. So we're looking forward to the fourth test coming your way on the radio station you're listening to now. So plenty still to come. We'll check in with Adam Collins from India in about half an hour from now. Um, Dwayne, Port Adelaide have been bombing it into their forward line for years. It's not a good game plan. All you're doing is playing into the defender's hands. Reese from Clarendon South was a text I read out earlier and uh, got another text here Dwayne this exact time last year Dwayne you're saying Todd Marshall with the best percentage in front of goal Todd Marshall 
does have one of the best accuracy rates in front of goal. So 63%, Todd Marshall. So he's a very accurate kick in comparison to Mitch Giorgiotti's 43%. But Todd Marshall, I think, needs to elevate himself to All-Australian status this year. That's the issue for Port Adelaide. It's quality ahead of the ball to be able to get quality out of your inside 50s, to get the goals out of your inside 50s. A lot of other teams have one or two All-Australians forward. And I know that Charlie Dixon has been an All-Australian, but he hasn't reached that All-Australian level for a while. Connor Rosie was an All-Australian last year. So maybe if Todd Marshall can elevate himself, then Port Adelaide can end up by the end of this season with two or three All-Australian quality players ahead of the ball. That's why they went and recruited Orazio Fantasia, to give them someone at the forward's feet to be able to capitalise on the spillage. But Orazio has been injured so much that he hasn't been able to play in that role. Junior Rioli is the reason they went and got Junior Rioli is because they need a forward like that to add quality in front of the ball and to be able to win it not only in the air, but to be able to win it on the ground. So, yeah, Port Adelaide have the weight of inside 50s and then they lock it in there. That's great. But they also get scored on out the back. So teams are able to transition the ball against Port Adelaide by getting it over the top of their wall and transitioning out of the out the back. So there's a couple of things Port Adelaide need to fix if they're to be able to elevate themselves into a top eight in the premiership team. Hi, Dwayne. Uh, the ball would need to be Luke Hodge. Um, Brownie wasn't a premiership captain. It's not about being a premiership captain. It's just about being a premiership player with the swagger. And that's what Jonathan Brown brought to the table uh, as the... Big bull elephant that Rob uh, Murphy was talking about at that function. Gabba curator's name is David Sandersky. Thanks for that. Uh, appreciate that text coming through. And another one here. Instead of making all these changes to the game, we must have a proper in-depth discussion about interchange rotation. This will reintroduce fatigue, which means less high-speed collisions to help out with concussions. And we've had a number of texts over the course of summer, and we get them every year about reducing rotations and adding fatigue to the game. The interesting part about where we're at with the game right now is that we've just added a sub that can be brought on any time for any reason. So we've not only got the same interchange that we had for interchange, but we've also added a sub. So it's four plus one for 2023, which means that there'll be less fatigue in the game because if there is one player who is fatigued now, he's actually going to be able to come off the field and be replaced by a fresh guy who's ready to go. Sammy Evans down at the captain's afternoon, and I think he's getting ready to wrap up after a pretty long day. Welcome back to you, Sammy. Dwayne, uh, good to be back. You know, yep, we're finally winding up here, but uh, I got a lot out of that. I don't know about you, but I reckon we've got 18 pretty good men down here. They're pretty relaxed, aren't they? And even Paddy Cripps laughed... Uh, Laughed pretty heartily at the big bull elephant uh, call from you. So uh, they're relaxed at the moment. The whips will start cracking soon. But uh, she's a lock speaking to Jack Steele as well. He was open. He was honest, wasn't he? He didn't hold back about the level of shock and disappointment he had as a St Kilda captain over that audio being made public. And uh, for his part, he needed, and I think was really glad that Ross Lyon sat all the players down and, and talked them through it. Yeah, it's interesting. You get to talk to these guys on a frequent basis. And I, it's interesting. Some are great media performers, so they come on radio. They don't arm and ah. They're direct. They've got light and shade in their delivery. They can convince you of something that you might not think is true, but the way they deliver it, you believe, well, that is true. Whereas some guys aren't quite as good with their delivery. But what they're saying 
is actually pretty meaty. It's just that they don't deliver it with quite the context. So it's kind of nice oh. for you and for me sometimes to talk to these guys at length in a less serious environment. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but I'm struck by the evolution of someone like Toby Green. Like his journey, which we touched on with him earlier... If you'd said to anyone five, six years ago this guy would be a captain of an AFL club, you'd be probably put in an asylum. But, geez, he handles himself well, he speaks well, and I hope we're still going to get some of that roguish charm along the way as well, that he doesn't sort of completely lose himself. Max Gorn just departs. Uh, there's the big there's the big bull elephant, uh, Dwayne Maxie Gorn, walking off uh, Marvel Stadium. So I, I think we're going to talk a lot about Toby Green, the footballer this year, but also the captain and the leader as well. It'll be a fascinating watch. There have been a lot of guys like that in world sport, though. I mean, think of Andre Agassi. He was the brat early on in his career, mm. and yet he evolved into this sage who, you know, every word that he said at one stage when he was doing some commentary, we all hung off because he was this worldly guy yeah. with a great knowledge base. John McEnroe's another one. I'd love John McEnroe's commentary, and yet when he was a player, he was the, you know, crazy guy. So, you know, but players change. Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, we want to put this question to Toby Green earlier is that I think it gives them a more rounded perspective of leadership as well. You know, they've been through everything. They've been through the good, the bad. They've had their own personal challenges. In in Toby Green's case, they came off the field as well as on. So there wouldn't be a, a topic or a subject that he wouldn't be qualified to have a discussion with with another player rather than the one the prodigy who's come in as a high draft pick who who perhaps came from a, a totally different background of toby who never had any setbacks or challenges in his life i mean he's a guy who is going to bring all of that and more to gws i think he'll be a big success and before i let you go i heard you on breakfast talking about the audio from st Kilda. so do you think it's only a matter of time before someone gets their hands on it and it ends up getting heard <sighs> Geez, well, I'd like to say no, Dwayne, but, geez, in today's day and age, uh, you certainly wouldn't put your house on it. We, we know that it's out there, hence the reason St Kilda were told. It was brought to their attention. It wasn't something that they discovered off their own off their own bat. So, look, um, depends how glass half full or glass half empty you are if you wear a St Kilda polo or a top. Um, it might only be a matter of time. Then again, it might never see the light of day. Uh, who would know? I mean, St Kilda did tell me yesterday they're not going to go on a witch hunt. They don't know for sure, but they're relatively confident that no one downloaded it. But uh, uh, not sure if you're an IT guru, Dwayne, but there's no way of knowing whether that has taken place or not. Yeah, no idea either. Uh, don't know how. Uh, I'm not as savvy as I've got to, It's one of the things I've got to ask my kids about when it comes to IT. Great to have you, Sammy. Really appreciate your work down there today, and we'll let you knock off after a big afternoon and morning. Good on you, Dwayne. We'll speak soon. Sammy Edmund at the Captain's Day. By the way, SEN Tire Power Tipping is back. Play SEN Tire Power Tipping and join for your chance to win weekly prizes, including the major prize of $5,000. Sign up now at tipping.sen.com.au. About to head back to your calls. And Trout from Woodend hasn't called for a while, and he's on the line, so I better get to Trout. He hasn't called for, I reckon it's been months since we heard Trout on the line. By the way, SEN's coverage of the fourth test between India and Australia starts at 2.25 today. So we'll be crossing to the live coverage of that a little bit later on. So a shortened program if you're unaware. Trout, uh, great to have you back on. Where you been? Hello, Dwayne. Uh, listeners out there. Um, no, just playing cricket and um, working. Uh, I've been listening, just sort of listen to other people um, talk about things. So it's interesting to sit back for a little while, but I'm back. Um, just first of all, I'd like to wish all the local cricketers... Um, on selection night tonight with finals coming up for all the local cricket. So hopefully I get selected. So I'm just waiting to see what happens there. Maybe a trip up to Hanging Rock might be in order. But, Dwayne, the question I've got for you, 
is if we're going to have four players on the bench and we're going to have a sub, do you think in 10 years' time we'll see more milestone games like 200, 250, 300, and possibly records broken with the extra um, player? Yes, Trout, I think so. Well, once upon a time, you know, some of the superstars of the game like Michael Tuck, uh, Craig Bradley, um, you know, they played in the 20-player-per-team era. Uh, Bradles might have evolved into more than that, but, uh, um, you know, the, it was once upon a time it was only 20 guys got a game alongside their name per club, and there was a long period of time, Trout, where it was only a 12-team era as well, so you had to be one of 20 players in 12 teams. Now we've got 18 teams. We've got 25 players getting a game every week in that team because you do get credited with a game if you sub and you don't even get brought on. And we're probably going to add a 19th or 20th team. So the answer's probably, it seems obvious that that'll happen, when a trout, do you think? Yeah, I think so. I, and I think, look, it's, it's great for the, for the players and all that and the clubs, with, and the, especially with the banners. We make the banners and we love doing the milestone ones. Um, but I just think it'll be a little bit uh, odd like you get Tucky and, and um, Bartlett and all that have played the 400 that and you might it, it, was in, it was exciting for me as a fan to see them get the 400 so uh, you know it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future I, I think it's good for the clubs Yeah I think it is too and if you've got a thought on it one three hundred seven three six seven three six. so Scott Pendlebury starts this season on 358 games so given the bench situation we might have an opportunity for Scott Pendlebury, who might have been thinking this year would be his last year, to play an extra year beyond this year. Lance Franklin's another one. He's got 341 games to his name now. Now, he might still be able to play. I mean, imagine Lance Franklin coming on off the bench for the last quarter and a half of a game. That, that could be an option for Lance. There's a couple of other guys who are midfielders as well. I mean, Travis Blokes on 327 games. Uh, it might be harder for big guys. Perhaps, but the guys that are, you know, just coming through now that are, you know, superstar midfielders of the game who aren't missing a lot of games might actually find themselves in a situation where they can play to the 350-plus game bracket. So those guys, I mean, Boomer Harvey's one. If we, Boomer Harvey is the game's record holder right now, if you're unaware. So Brent Harvey played 432 games. There was a lot of talk when Brent retired that he could have gone on for another season. If Brent Harvey was playing right now, he would probably go on for another season because it's four on the bench plus one sub. So he would be a chance to hit the 450 game marker. I mean, maybe even Sean Burgoyne could have played on for an extra season. Um, so, yeah, your thoughts on that? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Straight back to your calls and your texts from midday at Maddis. Pat in Brisbane's giving us a call about the Lions. Welcome to you, Pat. Great to have you on. How are you, Dwayne? Yeah, good, thanks. That's good. I, I finally received your Dwayne's World shirt in the mail, so thanks for that. I like it. It's good. It's colourful. Apologies, <laughs> apologies for taking a little no. bit of a while, but I'm, I'm hoping you're wearing it proudly, uh, if, if not around the street, uh, at least in your own kitchen. Yeah, no, it's good, mate. Thanks. Yeah, look, I just wanted to talk about the Lions, obviously. Um, what's your opinion on uh, the, the Rainers experiment down back? I went to, I went to the uh, Geelong game at uh, Brian Holmes Arena, and he looked really good. Um, I think maybe, though, they might chuck him forward in the regular season because the Sydney and Geelong, uh, they didn't have too many talls. So I'm thinking maybe that's why he chucked them down. They might go with Dara Joyce because apparently he killed it 
in the VFL game. So, yeah, what's your opinion of that move? And um, also, I saw that you tipped lines for minor premiers. Is that right? Yeah, I think that I tipped them for the flag, Pat. So I think you win the flag. I think it's your time. I, I, I can see the, you know, Geelong were running out of time to make it their time, if you know what I mean. A lot of those players, like Patrick Dangerfield, knew that their window wasn't going to be open forever, and they really had to make it then. Otherwise, they might have missed out. Now, a number of those players have won premierships before, before this year, but there are a number that won their first. And I really do feel like Brisbane's in that little window now. It's either now or never for a few of these guys. You've got to win the flag while this little window's open because we've seen with teams like Port Adelaide, your window's only open for a short space of time. If you miss out on your chance, you might never win a flag in your career. Appreciate your call, Pat. I think I've half lost you. Ashley in Echuca wants to talk about Tim Watson's top eight. Welcome to you, Ashley. Yeah, Dwayne, hope, you, hope you're doing well. Hey, uh, yeah, was, yeah, just about Tim Watson's top eight. I sort of like where he's gone with it. Um, he's got the Saints. Uh, everyone talks about one side outside of the eight of the year before sort of creeping in. And um, a lot of uh, you know, a lot of people have ridden off the Saints, and I like that he's just sort of crept them in. I know Carlton are an up-and-coming side, but I think that you know, the uh, boss's first year or you know, sort of, the, I guess the, the hype might be over. So uh, just wanted to see your thoughts on on uh, on having the Saints come through because I think everyone uh, was sort of you know on the bandwagon when the Saints at the start of 2022. Um, it's now 2023, and sort of people are sort of writing them off. They've got a new coach. They're going to have that spark. I sort of like what he's done there. I just want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, Ashley, when Ross Lyon was appointed, I was a believer that it was a good move. So a lot of people were uh, pretty upset about it at the time, that it was a wrong thing at the time. I think St Kilda needed to find a way to improve that 6 or 7% at least. And sometimes a, a coach can improve guys 6 or 7% just with their wording and their methodology and the way they go about their game plan and structuring the way their team plays. So... I think Ross Lyon's the kind of guy that can do that. But I'm worried about you not having Max King till round seven, Ashley. That's the big dent in my confidence of you guys making the finals because he was one of the most highly targeted forwards of any team in the comp last year. St Kilda targeted him almost more than any other team targeted their key forward. So to take him away could be really costly. Yeah, no, I um, I do agree, but only one side. Like, if, if you're going to just go down the method of one side's getting in, you've got to look at, I guess, it's, you know, you're probably looking at Carlton and St Kilda, and, you know, Carlton have lost Sam Walsh, uh, which is a big out as well. I don't think their depth is that great, and I do think Ross Lyon may change the way that ball's going forward. I'm not a St Kilda fan, by the way, but I do think okay. the way the ball's going to go forward is going to change up and just uh, sort of scare a few sides. So, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just putting together my own top eight and just sort of getting some thoughts around it. So that's good to hear. Yeah, great to have you call. I really appreciate you calling, Ashley. We've got a Brick Lane brewing voucher coming your way. Um, check out the Brick Lane Pale Ale. The, yeah, the one team in, the one team out thing is the thing that did my head in. I can't see any of the teams that made the eight last year. I couldn't make a case for them missing out this year. And Carlton hopefully will only miss Sam Walsh in round one. There's a bit of talk that he might even be available for selection or at least knocking on the door of selection in round one. So I heard them talking about that on SEM Breakfast today. I don't think he'll play round one, but uh, if he's not playing round one, the good news story might be that he's available round two. So I couldn't drop anyone out of last year's eight when it came to me doing my eight. A couple of texts that have come through. Uh, Dusty's one of those guys that has changed, and, yeah, maybe he has evolved. We don't hear much from Dusty, but if that's what he needs to get to do to be a great player, and that is 
you know, not engage with the media and not do interviews left, right and centre, then I'm okay with that. I'm okay with some guys like Dustin Martin and Lance Franklin just being who they want to be. Um, I'm, I'm not one of those that believes that every player has to do, you know, eight media interviews a year. Um, don't forget, Pipes, Tucky also played 50 games in the Magoos before getting in the seniors. Lanks, uh, you're right, that was the old school method back in those days. You had to do your time in the twos. Uh, fatigue creates ugly errors, so why on earth would we want to artificially increase it? Horrible idea, and there are a lot. And the AFL is on your plane as well. Don't want to increase fatigue because they believe it's going to only increase errors. Harvey only broke the game's record because of the sub. Thanks for that. He'd uh, play late in that sub-rule era. Pipe, you can't count. 18 plus 5 on the bench is 23, not 25. Taggy in Aspendale. Thanks for the correction there, Tass- Taggy. And you're 100% right. I didn't get that right. My addition was out. None of the superstar players are going to want to finish their career as the sub. Sam from Massa. I think there will be a few that won't mind doing it occasionally, but you might be right on that side of the coin as well. And so, Trout, you want to reward mediocrity? Question mark, question mark. When you cooked, you cooked. Why make it easy to rack up games? Back to your calls and your texts. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. the open line number. Brought to us by Werribee And you can drop down and see David, Janan, Aid, Jim, the whole team at Werribee They'd love to see you. Drop in, tell them we sent you. They've got a huge new and used car stock down there at Werribee Kia. Jump on the open line. We'll take another call or two. one three hundred seven three six seven three six, And keep your text coming through as well. 0433981116 on the 40 Winks. Temper text. We are going to check in with Adam Collins. He's not too far away. SEN cricket commentator from Modi Stadium in India, which is expecting upwards of 100,000 for day one today in the cricket. And the SEN coverage of the fourth test between India and Australia starts at 2.25 today, Australian Eastern Daylight Time. time. And it is Melbourne Membership Day today on SEN. Show your demon spirit. Join today and get six games for the price of a three-game membership. Visit membership.melbournefc.com.au. Fourth test coming your way on the radio station. You're listening to now in less than an hour. Adam Collins is going to be part of the SEN cricket commentary team at Modi Stadium in India. And he joins us thanks to Tyre Power. Storewide Supercell is on now. And they tell me, Adam, the action started hours and hours ago at Modi Stadium. (laughs) Uh, There's a lot of people trying to get in. And uh, you have been able to squeeze yourself in in the last hour. Welcome to you. G'day, Dwayne. Yes, it's the only time I've been told to get to a cricket ground before sunup. We were here at half past six this morning to get through the rigorous security. They're not letting anybody in here after quarter past eight local time with the festivities starting a quarter of an hour later with the two Prime Ministers. The Australian team are out there inspecting the pitch at the moment and marking their run-ups, but they're not allowed to... To, uh, to warm up on the ground. They've got to go out the back and, and use the nets because of the, the formalities and, and all the rest of it. So it's a, obviously the first day of the fourth test match and that will take over eventually. But the first couple of hours, it's going to be um, a pageant as well. So the ceremony surrounding the cricket is, what, bigger than you've ever seen before? Oh, a- absolutely. I mean, I can't stress the number of photographs of Modi and Albanese there are around the two Prime Ministers around the ground on the way in, sponsorship signs, sight screens. I can see in front of me here six photographs of them around the sight screen, which is a point of controversy, by the way. They're playing all the way across the square to the western side of the square here, keeping those pitches in the middle of the square ready for the IPL, presumably. And that means the conventional sight screen doesn't actually capture um, the behind the bowler's arm area for the right arm over at that southern end. So I saw Peter Hanscom out there before talking to the officials and the other Aussie players. There's a lot of um, 
There's a lot of different connecting parts to the site screen. I can see why that might be might be frustrating if you're batting at this end. So there might be more to play out on that, but um, the pitch at least is certain. They're playing on the surface that's more black soil than red soil, so more in keeping with what we had at Delhi and indoor compared to Nagpur, which was more red soil. So a bat first pitch is what you're saying, or is it still a bowl first pitch? Nah, I mean, even though the, the, the captain that's won the toss on all three occasions has, has batted first and lost, um, I can't conceive of a scenario where um, you'd win the toss and, and, uh, and bowl here. It's going to be 38 today as well, which will also be a factor. Um, and yes, after the first couple of hours, when all of the attention will be on the politicians, it'll, it'll quickly transfer to the ground. So how much will the players have to take in? Are they going to be required to be out on the ground during the whole ceremony as well? Are they going to be standing around for a while to be part of it or will they get to stay in yep. the rooms and uh, don't have to be involved? I believe they will be out here for a cap presentation and the Indian Prime Minister Modi will be doing the toss. Uh, they've got a, we, as I described it yesterday, kind of a Batmobile-style contraption, which, um, like the old um, Popemobile, which is going to take the Prime Ministers around to do a lap of honour uh, before they get to the stage. The stage has got several chairs set up at the southern end of the ground, the kind of official end of the ground opposite to where our commentary position is, so we'll get a good view of that. Um, unclear whether they're, they're giving speeches or anything like that, but it'll be between half past eight and the toss at nine o'clock. Uh, all eyes will be uh, on the politicians. And I assume the players will be out there due to that cap presentation. So the crowd that uh, are going to be in are already in. Are they upwards of 100,000? Yeah, that's a good point. It's definitely not that. And, and you're right. I mean, we were told 8.15 was the cutoff to get in here. Uh, it's, well, uh, it's a tenth full at the moment. So there might be, uh, might be 10,000 10, or something like that in here right now. There are reports that 85,000 were being shipped in for the event. So um, time will tell on that. Local families, local students and, and all the rest of it. So, uh, yeah, we haven't actually seen that um, in action yet. But they're, they're clearly streaming in. But, yeah, it isn't far away from when that cutoff is that we were told about before. So the world record for a test attendance is back at the MCG in 2013, Boxing Day, 91,000 and change. And the world record before that was, of course, the 1961 Calypso Summer, the final test at the G, which was 90,800. So... If they get in excess of 91 today, they'll break that single-day attendance record at a test match. And the, the capacity here is contested space. Some people say it's 130,000. Others say it's 110,000. But, um, but yes, they're, they're striving to break that record, that's for sure. And the side screen situation, of the players mm. just got to be told, well, that's what it is. So no use complaining about it during the course of the test because it is what it is, what you're seeing now. Yeah, it, most of this is reading body language. Had Barat with me before, who's an expert in this. <laughs> they were talking to the umps huh. about it and pointing towards... The best way to describe it is a bay of seats has been whited out, or will be whited out, I assume. In saying that, right now, and I'm looking at my colleagues in the back of the box, it's not whited out at all. It's pictures of the Prime Minister. So maybe what they'll do is, when the formalities have finished, they'll, they'll, they'll turn those pictures into whited out sheets or something like that. Um, the tarps that they run uh, over seats when, when having to do this. But it's not just that. It's that there's the sight screens or what will become the sight screens and a whole bunch of activity you know, partitions and all, and all the rest of it. So it's, it's not your sort of usual big white sheet. And the players have, you know, they used to have one sight screen right to aim, which they'd move from side to side. Now they're, they're quite well looked after having one whole end of the ground whited out. So, um, yeah, that, that'll be an interesting part of it. The camera gantry... To, again, to kind of explain how far across we are. 
they've had to start a new camera gantry at the far end of the ground. As in, they're so far across that the cameras don't normally sit at that side. Um, so, yes, it's, it's unusual to see a test match not played in the middle of the square. They've roped in the boundary by, I would say, nearly 30 metres to the western side of the ground. So the advertising boards have been brought all the way in. So it's a long boundary that way and a relatively short boundary to the eastern side of the ground. So there's a few on the text. So this is a celebration of the Prime Minister himself with the naming of the stadium after him. This is, this is a celebration of India itself as well. I mean, explain how big this yep. has become in terms of its statement as a political statement. Yeah, so look, well, Modi has been the Prime Minister since 2014 here, but and but beforehand he was the Chief Minister in this state from 2001 to 2014 in the state of Gujarat, and he was the he was the Chairman of the Gujarat Cricket Association from 2009 to 2014, and reportedly it was his idea to build this mega stadium. It cost him 100 million US dollars to to build the thing and redevelop the, the previous ground. So he has got a lot of history in the state, in the city, and. Um, indeed at, at this particular ground. So I think it, as a reflection of all of that, they're going to celebrate um, the, the Prime Minister here today. And, and, and as I mentioned to you yesterday, India are hosting the G20 this year, which um, means that there are leaders from all other major economies coming through here, and, and Anthony Albanese doing so today on a state visit is all part of that. Um, before the, the, the leaders meeting later in 2023, they've had the, the Treasurer and the Foreign Minister through uh, from Australia in, in the last couple of weeks. So there's a lot of activity in India, and I suppose this set-piece event all fits into that slipstream. And on the pitch, uh, selection changes to either team? Uh, I'd be very, very surprised if there's anything going on with Australia compared to the side that won at indoor. I was watching Matt Kuhneman, Todd Murphy and Nathan Lyon marking up their runs before. So any suggestion of a second seamer, unlikely as it was, you can put a line through that. Cameron Green and Mitch Stark were the other two bowlers marking up their runs. So Australia will go in unchanged. India, um, the captain, Rohit Sharma, gave a glowing endorsement of the keeper, KS Barat, yesterday. There were some whispers over here they might... They might um, drop him in favour of Ishan Kishan. He's more a white ball player, but he's been in the squad throughout. But it, it feels like um, Barat will get another opportunity. And beyond that, India are, are a fairly stable uh, crew with those three spinners, Jadeja Ashwin and Akshar Patel, who took 20 wickets in two test matches here back in 21 uh, against England and at an average of 9.4. So Akshar Patel hasn't been a factor in this series so far with ball in hand. He has um, made the second most runs, but as a bowler, uh, he's been uh, well and truly in the shadows compared to Jadeja and Ashwin. But here at this particular ground, he's got form. Will we get more than three days? I think we will. Um, look, Steve Smith yesterday made the observation that it's the ground that, or the pitch he's seen so far that looks like you can bat for a couple of days on and make a, a major total. Remembering that the highest score in the series was the even 400 that India made at Nagpur, which feels like an eternity ago when they batted for about 130 overs. Australia have never had to make India use a second new ball in the series. They've never reached mm. 80 overs. So it's, it's been hard going uh, for the Australians, especially they've only passed 200 once. But um, Smith needs no further motivation. He, he talked yesterday of the fact that this will probably be his final test match in India. And remember, he's got such a long and deep history over here. He'll want to make it count. The same can be said for Usman Khawaja, probably Nathan Lyon, maybe Mitchell Stark. They'll all be in the second half of their 30s the next time that Australia visit India for test cricket. So you could expect that there's a lot on the line and riding on this test for those four who want to go out with a bang in this country, but especially Smith after making you know, 499 runs in this corresponding series six years ago and, and making three centuries. He'd love nothing more as acting captain than to, to make one more ton over here. 
And I'm great to have you on. I better let you get prepped. Uh, you're 45-odd minutes away from bringing us the coverage. So we'll talk soon. Thanks for your time. Cheers, mate. Adam Collins at Modi Stadium in India. Brought to us by Tyre Power. Tyre Power store-wide super sale is on now. Back to a couple of your calls. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. the open line number. Glenn in Tullamarine is back on the line. Welcome to you, Glenn. Yeah, thank you, Dwayne. Um, I rang about the cricket, but I also wanted to make a point about the um, only being 12 teams. If you go back to, to sort of before 85, there was actually three professional leagues. You had the Sandfall, the Waffle, and the VFL. Many players like, I mean, a perfect example would be Polly Farmer. He played 356 games between the Waffle and the VFL, and for the majority of his career, he chose the Waffle over the VFL. Um, people now talk like there was only the VFL. I mean, even, even you, Dwayne, um, you, you chose for a long time to play for Port Adelaide ahead of the VFL. So I think that's the reason why today there's so many more players reaching 300 and even 400 games than used to because the players used to go between the three comps, whereas now all the best players are all in the one comp. So we don't have you know a situation where a guy's playing 200 in the waffle and 150 in the VFL. Um, but yeah, I agree with that. Craig Greek... Bradley played 100 in the Sandfall as well. So, I mean, yeah, well, 99, I think he played, or 98 for Port Adelaide in the Sandfall. So, yeah, he could have come and played for Carlton earlier. Yeah, I, I actually think he should be the game's record holder. I think the, the game should be on Waffle, Sandfall and VFL. So that would make Craig Bradley the game's record holder. Um, but just on, on the cricket, I think it's crazy. Like, today they're starting the game at 9.30 in the morning on a weekday and they're finishing at 4.30 in the afternoon. They often start in India even at 8.30 and finish at 3.30. I mean, all the kids are at school. Most people are working. Um, I think test cricket needs to be played at times when people can actually watch it. I think that's why it's so important to play more games with the pink ball. Um, You know, 3 o'clock till 10 o'clock, that gives a lot more people an opportunity to watch it. I think the Melbourne test match actually goes to show that if you play test cricket at times when people can actually watch it when they're not working or at school, um, a lot of people will watch it, but at the moment, pretty much all the cricket is being played during the the work day and the, or the school day, and, and no one's got an opportunity to watch it. Yeah, it's hard for me. I've never been to India, Glenn, so I don't know the parameters of playing cricket in India, what kind of um, logistical issues they've got in India when it comes to you know the timings of it. I can have an assessment when it comes to going to a game at the MCG, the Adelaide Oval, the SCG, etc. because I've been there and done it. So you can sort of live and learn the way we live and learn here in Australia. But it's hard for me to make an assessment as to what's right and wrong in India having never been there. But I appreciate your time. Just on the, the pink ball test, it's an interesting point because we're now going to get one less pink ball test next summer. We're told that Adelaide won't get a pink ball test. And it has been a great addition, hasn't it? It's against tradition. But would you agree that it's one tradition that we'd like that, to, to have evolve into a different tradition now? Oh, exactly. I, I feel we should be playing more test cricket day and night. I, I think, you know, I, I feel like we're doing with cricket what we did with um, the, what the VFL and the Sample and all those competitions did where they hardly played a home and away match at night time for the first 10, 15, even 20 years. Um, I don't understand what the fear of it is. I mean, that, that people say it's traditional to play with a red ball during the day, but that was only because there was no pink ball to play with and most rounds had no light. I'm sure if there had been lights at the cricket grounds in 1900, they would have been playing at night time. There's no, for me, there's no real logic in playing the game midweek during the day when no one can watch it when you've got a set of lights. If you've got a set of lights and a pink ball, I, I can't understand any reason to not use, use both. And let as yeah, many the lights are better. possible watch. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you. The lights are better than ever at most venues. The lights were a, 
We're not quite bright enough for the SCG for some reason. We didn't get played during the Sydney test, which was bizarre to me that you would be able to play cricket at night under those lights uh, with a pink ball, but you can't play cricket during the day um, under those parameters. So get get better lights. But, yeah, we're, it's 2023, so I'm with you on that. Welcome back to Dwayne's World. Great to have your company wherever you're listening. It is Melbourne Membership Day, as you've heard on SEN. Show your demon spirit. Join today and get six games for the price of three Visit membership.melbournefc.com.au. And Charlie Spargo has been good enough to join me for a chat. Charlie, welcome. Great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Dwayne. So I was out at Casey on the weekend and saw your guys in action live. You looked pretty good. The Grundy experiment looks like it's working pretty well. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, Max and, and Brody formed pretty um, formidable pairing on, on Saturday and you can sort of see the, the things they're doing together when uh, one's in the ruck and, and one's up forward. So definitely, um, you know, it can cause some troubles for opposition because um, they can both, you know, play in the ruck, play forward. Also, our other new players as well, Lockie Hunter, I thought was, was really good on a wing. So it's good to get, you know, some experienced guys into the, into the footy club who um, can sort of give a different perspective on things. But, yeah, both really leading the way on the field as well. Had a couple of young guys as well. You got, uh, well, there was a 19-year-old Judd McVie. looked pretty good. You gave Tajway Woden a couple of minutes as well. You got a couple of, even Bailey Laurie looked okay. So you're trialling a couple of young guys as well in this preseason. Yeah, that's right. I think um, it's really a credit to those guys. We've sort of been speaking about them and giving their kudos all preseason, but um, Goody said that's the best condition they've seen. All the, the one- to four-year players come back early and um, that he's ever seen in his whole career. So... Uh, all the all the young guys did a tremendous amount of work over the off season, came back in really good shape, and you can see some of them, you know, Judd Bailey and Taj, uh, Jacob Van Ruin around the mark as well. They're they're giving themselves those opportunities due to the work they put in. But um, yeah, they've all been you know incredibly impressive and um, all really capable now to come in and play a really important role for us when we need it. So um, yeah, it's exciting on that front. You've been really impressive for a couple of years now too, Charlie. You've played I think every game the last two years in a row, so you've been pretty durable and reliable and consistent yeah that's right it's um it's pretty cool hearing you say that it's um you know something after my probably second and third year where i only played eight games a piece that i didn't think would really be achievable i'll probably ha- um have that happen but um just put a bit of time into my body and and my diet my preparation things like that over the last sort of three years i feel like i've got a really professional lifestyle and figured out um how to listen to my body and how to get it right so um, yeah, pretty proud of that achievement to not have missed a game in the last few years and, um, again, feeling pretty fit and healthy uh, and stronger going into this year. It's a tough forward line to play in as well and kick goals in. I noticed you kicked 10 last year after 18 the year before, but you've got a, a good spread of guys who can be damaging on the scoreboard. So it's not just about how many you actually kick yourself. Yeah, that's right. It's um, I think we do a really good job of... Uh, the coaches, particularly Greg Stafford, our forward coach, and the rest of the forward players are recognising those who do the work that doesn't necessarily directly um, show up as a goal on the scoreboard, but, um, you know, gets our, our forward line playing the way it should. So um, it really depends on the way the game's being played. You know, some days um, I'll be getting the ball, you know, a lot higher up the ground around halfback, just helping the, helping the backs and the mids out. So I won't really be getting those looks dangerously, whereas another day you might see a small forward such as, Kay Chandler or, or Cozzy Pickett getting the ball. They're playing a little bit deeper and they're getting a lot of shots on goal. Same with Bailey and, and Tom and Ben. So um, I feel like, yeah, we've got a pretty versatile sort of group of forwards. Um, 
Posse and uh, Alex and myself are pinch hitting in the midfield as well. So, um, yeah, we're sort of uh, we pride ourselves on being a selfless sort of line group that that's willing to sort of do whatever roles needed on that given day, depending on the way the game's played. So, um, yeah, everyone's going to have their day and you know bob up and kick two or three goals, but we do a good job of um, rewarding all the hard work that, that everyone does. And a larger rotation through the midfield as well. You mentioned Cozzy, who uh, I think Max Gorn explained earlier today that the numbers of clearances won by Melbourne's centre square starting four uh, goes up percentage-wise when Cozzy's in there. So there's going to be a, a larger number, we're told, of rotations through the midfield for a lot of teams this year. Yeah, that's right. I think um, you probably see it competition-wide, but from our perspective, I guess it's just um, it's just helping out the mids and, and giving other teams different looks. I mean, you know, you look at track, uh, Jack Viney, Clayton, you know, one of the best best midfields in the league. But if you're um, in the midfield the whole game um, and, you know, you're constantly at centre bounces, um, you know, one, you probably get pretty tired, but two, it can become predictable. So it's good that um, Alex, myself, Cozzy, um, you know, we've sort of done some work in the pre-season to sort of get our bodies right and learn how to play in the midfield so that when they do need a chop out, we can... Go in, there, go in there and provide some fresh legs and give the opposition a few different looks. Um, as you can imagine, you know, Cozzy is probably one of the scariest players to play on in the league. Mm-hmm. So when he's in there, I'm sure the, the opposition's um, watching him closely, which can free up other guys. And as well as that, it's, it's also good to, you know, put Christian forward um, and Clary forward and Jack forward because um, they've got, you know, skills um, themselves as, as really solid one-on-one players who can take marks and kick goals. So um, it sort of works out well both ways. We're seeing teams just try and get it inside 50. It doesn't have to be clean. It doesn't have to be precision. But if you've got the talent in there, just get it in there and the talent will sort it out once it's in there. I think we've seen more inside 50s in one round of this preseason comp on average than we've seen for you know a number of years. Well, you had 57 yourselves and Richmond had 55 against you on the weekend. But if you've got the quality in there, you're going to turn yours into goals. And that's the thing with... Geelong, that's why they just got it in there last year because they knew they had the quality forward to turn it into goals. Yeah, that's right. And I think, you know, you look at footy um, holistically and there's so many mistakes made in a game. Um, So you sort of just got to embrace that sort of messy style of football sometimes. And that's right, as you said, just get it in there to to semi to advantage to to really good players and let them do the rest. So, um, yeah, no surprise teams are sort of embracing that way of just getting it in and giving their really good forwards a look and... Obviously, Richmond, um, in their really successful run, sort of embraced that play style. We've, we've looked to do that as well, and, and Geelong was, was clinical last year, winning the flag, um, just getting it into their key forwards as well. I noticed, I noticed the Dogs pre-season. I'm not sure how much you have watched of other teams, but the Dogs are planning to just stack their forward line with key tools and great players to be able to sort it out when it gets in there. Just get it in there and, and hope that the quality up there is going to do it. The Giants are going to play Toby Green forward more as a key forward or a permanent forward than ever because, again, that just get it forward and your quality of player ahead of the ball is going to sort it out for you. Do you think that's going to be the trend across the board this year? Um, yeah, you, you can imagine it it, it. it does make sense and sort of re- reiterates that point that you you just brought up and we sort of touched on, I guess. Um, yeah, it's you want to give other teams different looks. You don't want to become predictable. So, um, you know, the more talent you have, and the, the best way you can spread it over the ground, whether it's, um, you know, the Bulldogs playing a taller forward line, as, as you said, they've got a lot of good talls in Norton and Lobb and even and young Darcy as well, and Oogle Hagen, like, that's that's a problem within itself. And obviously, Toby Green's a, a great one-on-one player but can also spit through the midfield. So, um, yeah, it's just important, I think, to have multiple strings to your bow as a team and be able to sort of 
flip um, flip mids and forwards and, and people everywhere, which is, you know, what we're trying to do as well. And you've got a couple of guys who are out with injury. How far away is well, Bailey Fritch for one with the foot? Yeah, um, Bailey's just coming along nice in his rehab. I think, you know, feet aren't anything you want to sort of rush back. So um, he's just working, working away in rehab really nicely and, and ticking boxes off. Um, consistently the last two weeks. So not exactly sure when we'll see him back, but um, he seems really um, sort of have a, to have a positive outlook on his rehab and, and pretty bullish that he won't be back um, too long. And again, no, and it's not your portfolio, the injury uh, portfolio, but I've got to ask you, Jack Viney, is he far away? And is Christian Salem still a chance for early in the season? Yeah, so obviously Salo's had his, uh, a bit of a thyroid condition and that's something uh, similar to Bailey. You don't really want to rush, so um, he's just sort of building up his reconditioning at the moment. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't imagine he's too far away. And then and Jack Simler, a little bit of a, a sort of, um, not a scare, but just a little issue to his knee uh, training last week. But I'm pretty sure he'll be right for either round one or really early in the year as well. And ball use. I noticed Mark Williams has still been doing a lot of work, even pre-game, uh, the game that you played against Richmond last week. He was doing a lot of work with your midfield to get that position kicking right. I think there's a lot of players in the comp that um, if they can get their kicking a little better I don't want to mention the war but you've got a couple who aren't that good in front of goal at the moment. Uh, a couple of your key midfielders, some of your superstars like Christian Petrarca uh, amongst them. Has Choco been working with a few of you and them over summer? Yeah, Choco's, um, Choco, as soon as he came on two years ago, he, he took up our kicking program. We call it the Elite Kicking Program. So he's just... Um, doing lots of kicking drills with us. And then this year, um, he's taken over as a goal-kicking coach as well. So, um, yeah, he's doing a, a mountain of work, um, both with us at training and, and in the craft room, but also away uh, away from us, looking at stats with our analytics guys and um, the best ways to improve on our goal-kicking and where we miss our shots from and all that sort of stuff. So, um, technically, he's he obviously... Um, knows so much about kicking, about football, because he's been around the game for so long. But um, I think the best thing that Choco does is just instill confidence in us. And I think that's half the battle in front of goal and with the ball in hand is be- truly believing that you're a good kick and that you've put the work in. So um, that's sort of what he's been focusing on uh, this preseason. And although it's, they might not have been the best results on the weekend, but I feel like the, the tide is starting to turn in that respect. Um, I know I'm certainly feeling a lot more confident in front of goal training um doing training with him and i know other guys would say that as well so um yeah definitely something we're working on no good to hear hey charlie great to have a chat to you always good to be able to to get superstars like you on my show it makes my show better so i really appreciate you taking time out of your day to have a chat good luck this year and good luck against the dogs saturday march 18 is going to be a ripper no worries. thanks for having me Dwayne. appreciate it Charlie Spargo joining us. Melbourne Membership Day today on SEN. Show your demon spirit. Join today and get six games for the price of a three-game membership. Visit membership.melbournefc.com.au.